At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, finding your Christmas story in theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. So each gospel writer, church, you know, is unique. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Last week, we looked at Luke's account through Mary's story of the Christmas story. Today, we're going to Matthew. Open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Now, Matthew has a goal. He wants to announce early on in his gospel that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the one we've been waiting for. And how he does that is explaining the genealogy of Jesus. So we're going to start right there in chapter 1. To understand why he does this, you have to go all the way back to Genesis 12. You see, in Genesis 12, a promise was made to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have so many descendants, and your descendants will be a blessing to all the nations. And then later, the Lord goes to King David. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7. God makes a promise to King David that he's going to have a son whose kingdom, whose reign will never end. Both are fulfilled through Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the son of David. He is the one that was promised that would, that would come. And so that's what Matthew is doing. Matthew is showing through the genealogy at how Jesus fulfills that prophecy. So we're going to be really diving into verses 18 through 25. But first, I want, to, I want you to see the pattern of how Matthew approached, because he's so systematic in his pattern. He's very, he's got a rhythm going on. So let's go back to verse two. Verse two and three, I want you to see just the rhythm of how he does it. He says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of, do do you get the pattern? I mean, I'm overemphasizing, but you get it, right? I'm not going to read all the genealogy, but the father of. So the genealogy is passed down through the father. Now I want to fast forward a little bit to verse 15 as we get closer to Jesus. It says, and Madden, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, and Joseph, the father of Jesus, right? Now, okay, so real quick, time out. Some of you, some of you, you're just watching me. And you're like, yeah, Pastor Billy said it. So clearly it's true. It's got to be whatever he says is clearly true. Read your Bibles. You've got to read your Bibles and say with me, you need to check me on every single thing I say. And I'm not playing right now. I'm not joking. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Whatever we hear, we always need to check it next to the word of God because it's not what the word of God says. Here's what it says. Let me go slow. It says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. This breaks the pattern, the father of the father of the father of. This breaks that pattern. This says there's something different going on. His point is, Joseph is not the father of Jesus. Joseph isn't the father of Jesus. Joseph is the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, but he didn't father the child. So we have, a pro- we have actually two big problems. Problem number one 
if Joseph isn't the father, then Jesus doesn't have a direct tie back to David and the direct tie back to Abraham, which means that Jesus does not fulfill the prophecy, which means that Jesus can't be the Christ. That's problem number one. Problem number two, Mary's pregnant. That's problem number two, right? Problem number two is this is scandalous. This is absolutely scandalous. Or it's something amazing. Or it's something incredible. Or it's something that will change the world forever. It's one of the two. So with that background, let's read starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now, if you missed last week, we actually started a brand new sermon series called Eyewitnesses. And this whole series is, is an account of those who are eyewitnesses to that very first Christmas. Last week, we talked about Mary's story, and we followed that. And if you missed it, it's all on Facebook. You can go back and watch. We've got the podcast available. But we, we really looked at Mary's story. Today, with Joseph's story... We're going to look at this big idea that true faith results in a righteous response. True faith results in a righteous response. Some of you today, you're facing some huge questions in life where you don't know exactly what to do. You got some big questions. And maybe no one even knows exactly what your family's dealing with. They don't know the wrestling match that you're having right now. They just don't know. And yet you're going through it and you're not sure what exactly you're going to do. Some of you are going through trials. You've got some medical things going on in your family, and it's like a gut punch. You're not exactly sure how to respond. Some of you, man, life is good. In fact, you're looking in the mirror going, this is weird how good it's going. Like, I mean, this is, I didn't dream, I didn't script that things would go this well. Like, we're just, we're just killing it right now. Things are so good. And you don't know exactly how to respond. The big idea today is that true faith results in a righteous response. Church, it doesn't matter if things are good, if they're bad, if you have these huge decisions looming. True faith is going to result in a righteous response. And so Mary here, we see, is betrothed to Joseph. Oftentimes when you hear sermons, we just say they were engaged. And that's, that's not accurate, is it? See, engaged is like here, and marriage is like here, and betrothed is like this. Here's what I mean, engaged. We're engaged until today. I don't want to be engaged. So I say, I don't want to be engaged anymore. And you go, well, that stinks. All right. You know, the end, right? The end. There's no legal implications there. But when you're betrothed, there's legalities involved. Like it is, it is, a, it is a licensed affair. 
Kind of like when you get married. So you guys know how the marriage thing works, right? So you go and you stand with the pastor and it's like, do you, do you, I do, I do. Power vested in me. Y'all can kiss a little bit. And then you go to the party, right? And you eat some cake and there's some dancing and some food. And somewhere along the way, what you did before the ceremony is you went down to the county and you got your marriage license. And it had everything printed at the top. I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is what happened. Before the ceremony, you gave those papers to the pastor. And so he's got them in his little black folder. And he doesn't misplace that black folder. He keeps up with that black folder. So that sometime after you've done the cake in the first dance, he's going to sneak over, oh, so smoothly, just like an orangutan, you know, kind of like that. And he's going to slide it right in front of you and the best man and the best girl and the bride and the groom and then the pastor. And then he's going to give you a copy and he keeps a copy. What he's not going to do is forget to do that. And the next morning bang on your door, which may have happened once to me. That may have happened. They were going to leave the country. And so I seriously, I was banging on the door first thing in the morning going, y'all, I am so sorry, but we got to do this. Because there's a paper in there today that says like the pastor will go to jail and get fined and all kinds of horrible things. I didn't want to. Anyway, so betrothed is that. Like betrothed is we've already bridegroom, best man, best girl. That's already been done. That is betrothed. There are legal implications there, but yet you're not married yet. So we do that at marriage. Like now it's signed, still delivered. I'm yours up here. Back then that happened at betrothed, even though they have not come together as husband and wife. That's what we see in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When Jesus' mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. Church, they had not physically been together as husband and wife. Why? Because they were betrothed. They were not married, right? That happens at marriage. So physically, they had not come together yet. And this says that Mary was found to be with child. Some of you remember what it feels like to be engaged. When you're engaged, it's exciting. What are the wedding color is going to be, and what's our venue, and what's the menu, and you know, you go through all that stuff, and what song am I going to walk down to, you know, and you're, you're doing all that stuff. Imagine you're in that place in your relationship, and you hear what Joseph heard. Can't, can't you imagine, this just took the wind right out of his sails, just like that. The pain, this would have been a punch in the stomach, is what it would have been. In fact, his response was, Mary betrayed me. And in her betrayal, she got, she got pregnant. What would you do? I mean, because I'm thinking about what I would have done, thinking about what I would have thought, what I would have felt, what I would have said. Scripture actually tells us his response. Look at verse 19. But Joseph, being a just man and not willing to put Mary to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. So he could have said this. He could have said, I'm going to drag her name through the mud. I cannot believe she would. Have, she's going to pay for crossing me. He could have done that. In fact, he could have brought up some legal charges, which would have been like a capital offense. Like this could have been huge what he could have done to her. But what did it say? He was a just man. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. I don't want, I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to drag her name. Through. I don't want to do that to her. I just, we'll do this quietly. So it's almost like he picks up his phone and calls attorney. Hey, let's get the paperwork in order. And that's when verse 20 hits and says, But Joseph, as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. He had plans and God stepped in. I want you to know that today. I know you got plans. You got all kinds of plans. You got things you've been dreaming about for a long time. 
Be open to, and then God stepped in. Keep your heart open to, and then God stepped in. Because God stepped in. Verse 20, the Lord's messenger speaks and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Let me say that again. You shall call his name Jesus. God's word completely changed Joseph's plans. Completely. And then this name thing, which the name thing's a big deal. It was really big in the first century, but it's big to us, isn't it? Like that's, right? Y'all aren't nodding your heads. I'm going to give you an illustration then. I'll teach you. You're going to learn to just say, oh yeah, we want to get out of here and go to lunch. So I'm going to start doing this. So I went to, Amy works as a teacher. Most of you guys know that. She teaches in Wald Lake. And so two nights ago, we were at her school's Christmas party. And at the school's Christmas party, I meet this one teacher. And it doesn't take long before she's showing me the dog that her kids are going to get on Christmas morning. They don't know, so don't tell her. Y'all, don't ruin the surprise. And she won't watch this. I don't, I don't think, right? She's not, she's not going to see this. This is the ugliest dog I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Y'all, this dog, there's something wrong with this dog. It's so bad. She's so excited. So I'm smiling. Yes, they'll be so excited. What kind of dog is that? That's actually what I, I did say that, didn't I, Amy? I really did. I'm like, what? I don't know. I've never seen anything quite like that. Like, what, what you got there? And she's trying to tell me it was a Shih Tzu or a Pekingese. I don't remember which one. But Anyway, it doesn't matter. She said, I hope my children name this dog Chewbacca or they might just call it Chewy. Does that tell what the dog looked like? This was not a pretty dog when she thinks it should be called Chewbacca. You know, that thing. That's what she's hoping this dog. But think about what she said. There's so much power in what she said. I hope my kids name it. Why didn't she name it? Well, because she's given the dog to her kids as a gift. They are the owners of the dog, therefore they name the dog, right? When something belongs to us, we get to name it, right? You don't go have a baby and go knock on your neighbor's door and say, I don't know, what do you think we should name our kid, you know? Or you don't go, I go to Woodside Romeo and we got a rule, if it's a boy, it's Billy. Like that's just the rule. <laughs> Billy one, Billy two, Billy 23. Right? We wouldn't, that would be weird. We don't do that. We know that when something belongs to us, we get to own it. Some of you do that with your cars, right? You're like naming your car, like that, that car's name, whatever. We know, Betty, is that what? Thank you. I got helpers over here. <laughs> we know that when something belongs to us, we get to name it. I just want you to think about the power of what just happened. Because Mary got the same message. But it says that Joseph ends up naming him Jesus. And so what just happened was we see ownership and we see possession and we see the adoption of Jesus in these moments. An adoption that now has said he lines up with the fulfillment of the prophecy that was made to King David because now he is in the line of King David, which was the whole point for that genealogy in the first place. Isn't that powerful? That's what just happened in those moments. I'm going to tell you when you respond to a situation in faith, you trust the plan of God. You trust the plan of God. Even when you have a plan and God takes you in a different direction. Joseph had a plan, didn't he? Joseph, he was betrothed to be married, so he was engaged. Joseph, he had him a business. He was a carpenter. 
It wasn't like, but my head is kind of like he's got that wooden sign, like in old London, swinging back and forth, you know, his carpenter shop. He didn't really have that, but my head, it looks pretty cool in my head. And so anyway, he had him a carpentry business. We know that during the betrothal process, what he would have done as the man is he would have went, he would have built the home that they were going to live in, probably onto his family's home or onto his in-law's home, but they would have built onto the family. They would have stayed really close to each other. So here's what I'm saying is, Joseph had plans in his career. He had plans in his relationships. He had plans for his home. What do we spend our whole lives focused on? Our family, our careers. We don't do anything different 2,000 years later. We're still focused on the same things. Joseph had plans. He was planning to get married to Mary. And then he was planning to divorce Mary and the Lord came along and he said, it's not this plan, it's not that plan, it's going to be my plan. And Joseph was afraid. That's why the Lord came along and the message was, do not be afraid. This Christmas, I hope you hear that message so loud and clear. I don't, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the decisions in front of you. But when it comes to trusting the Lord, I'm telling you, do not be afraid. You can have confidence. You can have assurance when it comes to trusting the Lord. You don't need to be afraid. Proverbs 19 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. See, I think we get afraid sometimes because we're afraid this thing that I had schemed up, this thing that I had dreamed up, this thing that I want to do so badly, if that happens and I let the Lord in, well, then this, this isn't going to really last. It's not going to go the way I wanted it to go. Can I just tell you, it ain't going to anyway. It's not going to last. The ways of man, our ways, our dreams, our plans, they're not everlasting. God's ways are everlasting. God's ways are eternal. God's ways are the ways that will stand. That's where our confidence should be. That's where our assurance should be. That's the place where we're told, do not be afraid. And when you're not afraid, the only place you can go is obeying God. That's our last point. We obey the word of God. Look at verse 24 again. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Do you realize that's the closest we get to Joseph speaking in all of the scriptures right there? But there, do you see there's no quotation mark? Joseph didn't actually say that. We don't have his recorded word. With Mary, we talked about last week, we have a whole song of hers. We get this praise and worship service from Mary. With Joseph, we don't get that. You know what we get? He was obedient. That's what we get. We don't get his words. We never get Joseph's words. Now, Matthew records uh, Joseph's life more than anyone else. Matthew has more recorded of what Joseph did. Never what he said, though. Always what he did. Take Mary as your wife. He took Mary as your wife. Name him Jesus. He named him Jesus. Now think about that, though. He was inviting a child into his home that he had no biological connection to, and he knew that. He brought a child into his home he had no biological connection to, and he named him Jesus. Get up. Hurry, Joseph. Middle of the night. Get up. You got to hurry, and you got to get to Egypt. Right now, leave everything. Leave everyone. Go to Egypt. What did he do? He obeyed. He went to Egypt. Well, now his family's got to eat. They got to do so. He starts his business there. He starts working there to survive. And we don't know exactly when it was, but a, there was a point where all of a sudden it was, Joseph, now go right back to Israel. 
Go now, return. And he was obedient. You know, he reminds me a little bit of, um, I hope this illustration is okay. Reminds me of like an offensive lineman. And uh, here's what I mean by that. Do I have anyone who like in high school or college, you played like you were a quarterback or receiver or running back, raise your hand. High school, college, court, one. <laughs> Just really? No running backs? Okay, a couple. Oh, we got a couple. All right, all right. So those Let's just hypothetically speak, though, maybe these guys back here, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, especially quarterbacks. Let me talk about quarterbacks for a second. Quarterbacks can have the game of their life. We're talking like over 300 yards passing, you know, just incredible game, great decision making all the way through. After the game, aren't they the ones like the newspapers, the radio, the TV, if you're college ESPN, they want to talk to you, right? They want to talk to the quarterback. You may not have one single grass stain on your britches because you never got touched the whole game long, but you had an amazing game, right? Running back, now running backs are going to get touched, but maybe you ran for 230 yards because you kept breaking these long runs, long runs, long runs, to where if you were going to break one more long run, you were going to collapse on the sideline from exhaustion, right? Receivers, there are no bruises on your arms, right? You're not all bruised up because you're fast, you're speedy, you do this stuff when you run, right? <laughs> now linemen are different though. The offensive lineman, man, you're bashing someone or getting bashed every single play. You're in the trenches. You're just, you're a big, ugly mess by the end of the game. You know, you're bleeding everywhere, bruises everywhere. You're, I've watched a lot of football, like a lot of OU Sooner football in my day. And I switched teams because Gabe goes to Baylor. So now I cheer for, it's weird cheering against the team you grew up cheering for. You know what I mean? But I did, like I, I did that. Here's what I've never seen. I've never seen in all my games I've ever seen that they grab the offensive guard and they bring him over and they pat him up on the shoulder like this. They say, all right, big fella, talk to us about that one play, you know, where you had that decision to make. What'd you think? Well, I blocked the guy in front. You know, they just, I've never seen that interview. I've never, ever seen that interview. And the offensive linemen, they just kind of go to work, don't they? It's not based on their words. That's not where the power is. The power is based on what they do. It's their obedience. It's their follow-through. It's they, they go to work. And I guess that's why I kind of identify with Joseph a little bit, right? He just, he, he goes to work. We never really see his words. We never hear all this this praise service that he had. In fact, last week I talked about this thing of here I am, Lord, send me. But the, he doesn't even do that. He just He's just obedient. He just actually does what the Lord tells him to do. He's faithful and following through. I don't want this to sound like it was easy, though. There was a decision in front of him. He knew the decision. The decision was, do I divorce her quietly or do I take her back as my wife? That was the decision. Do I divorce her quietly? I would need to divorce her because we were betrothed to be married. We legally could not just go our separate ways. That did not exist. So legally, he would have had to divorce her. So do I divorce her quietly or do I take her back as my wife? Notice his thought process never said drag her name through the mud. That was not the decision. Probably in front of you, there's a decision to be made. You know, like, are there other options? Well, there are other options, but those aren't really options. I've got these two things in front of me. Do I go to Egypt or do I ignore the Lord and do I stay here and just hope for the best? Do I turn to Israel or do I say it's way too dangerous, we're building a life here? Do I be faithful or do I don't be faithful? And let's not forget about the actual child, Jesus. 
Do I bring in this child that I don't have a biological connection to and name him Jesus? Or do I say, Mary, that's way too hard. You can't ask that of me. It's really not that much different for us as a church. You know what James 1 says? James 1 says religion that is pure and undefiled. Undefiled meaning it, it's not selfish. It's not, it's not puffed up. It's not prideful. It's not us-centered religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To look after orphans in their distress. So it's not will we. It, it couldn't have been will Joseph Will we look after the orphans? The question is, how will we? That's the question. How will we? Did you know that globally there's 150 million orphans in the world? 150 million. Did you know that there are 400,000 children in the foster care system in the United States alone? So I'm not talking about 20 million in India. I'm talking about right here within the U.S. There's 400,000 children in the foster care system. In Michigan alone, there are 14,000 children in our foster care system. Let me say that again. In Michigan, our home that we are responsible for I'm not talking about Texas. I'm not talking about California. I'm not talking about Florida. I'm talking right here. There are 14,000 children in the foster care system. See, I don't, I don't know exactly what the Lord's calling you to. This is actually pretty close to home. I, I've been having conversations with people within our congregation who have been saying for quite a while now, Pastor, we're, we're wrestling with this. Do we... Be We've got a great home environment right now, so do we do this, or do we, do we say, Lord, our, our answer is yes, we'll be obedient in doing what you've called us to do. They actually grabbed me after the first service, and um, they just said, hey, I just think the timing is weird for all of this, because we literally were just finally approved completely to be able to serve as foster parents, and so literally any moment now we could get a call. I, I don't know if the Lord's calling you to pray or to give or to open your home, but I have no doubt that he is stirring in every single one of us in some way to take steps of faith, not to build our plans, but to continue to bring him glory with what we do. And so how has God interrupted your plans this Christmas season? If he's not interrupting your plans, I guess my question would be, are, are you listening like, are, are, are you really actively listening? Are you getting in your prayer closet and shutting in your door and just praying to your father who's unseen, saying, Lord, what do you have to say to me? Because I want to hear and I want to be obedient. I, I don't want this world to be filled with what I have to say about everything. I want to be open and receptive to you. I know that some of you, you are on the verge right now of making a decision that will change your family forever. My encouragement to you is the same encouragement that Joseph received. Do not be afraid. Be obedient. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.